Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us to the pod today. We have a very special, exclusive guest. His book is called Can't Lose Them All. It's coming out January 26th. He is known for hidden camera pranks in the late night television show Jimmy Kimmel Live. He is a weekly comedy bit on the Thursday night NFL pregame show on Fox and is the co-host of Fox Sports' first ever daily sports gambling show, Lock It In. He hosts Against All Odds podcast on the Ringer Network and guesses the lines of the NFL Weekly with Bill Simmons on the Bill Simmons podcast. He also just started his own podcast network himself, Extra Points. He's a real-life American attorney, a comedian, writer, game show host, the nightmare of Santino Morella, Jimmy Kimmel's cousin, the bane of Anchippy's existence, and the <laughs> angel on Lenny Dykstra's shoulder, Cousin Sal, Mr. Iacono. How are you today? Thank you for joining the pod. Wow, that is uh, bravo. Nice job by you. I, you know, I, I'm exhausted just listening. I do all those things, and none of them uh, remotely good. But, yes, thank you for hitting on everything. Absolutely. It's, it's very well-deserved. It feels a lot like walk hard when you, you're the shapeshifter. You're the shaman. Uh, you're, the, you're the peacekeeper. But we're here to talk that's today right. about your book that's coming out January 26th, Can't Lose Them All. Sal, I have to be honest with you. I read the thing cover to cover. I was trying to think of flowerly adjectives to bestow upon you, but man, it's just fucking hilarious. It's amazing cover to cover. There's so many great stories in there. So let's get off with a first pitch uh, strike here right off the bat. You know, what compelled you to, to write the book? So many stories that are in there. Did you enjoy writing the book in the process? And please explain to our podcast listeners very slowly what a book is so that they can go out and find it. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I worry about the most. Uh, the, the only thing worse than trying to sell a book to uh, younger people is just doing it during a pandemic, but um, <laughs> where stores are not open. But uh, yeah, well, I got to say, you mentioned Bill Simmons and it was him and it was my uh, pain in the ass agent, James Baby Doll Dixon says, you have all these great stories. You should write a book. And I'm like, oh, I'm too busy. I, I don't want to. And then I mapped it out. I'm like, yeah, I do have like 40 decent stories. I do like four pages each. I'm a numbers guy, as you know, I'm usually on the wrong side of the numbers, <laughs> but I was like, I think I could do this. And uh I have to say it was like split. Some some stories I wrote were work and some were um, I got mad while writing them and some were a pleasant um, presently reunited with the past. So there was a lot of uh, a lot of different emotions involved, but I'm not going to complain. Um, my whole life is in there and my life um, of losing sports gambling and all my uh, degenerate idiot friends along the way uh, helping me. It's all uh, all chronicle. And, you know, you mentioned the bookstore thing. I got to be honest with you, man. The thing that kind of resonated with me, which is why I think this book is kind of perfect for right now, is I'm stuck in quarantine, man. And reading the book just made me feel like I was at a bar again, hearing stories from a buddy, like around a pitcher of beer and like some wings and stuff, man. And and if you guys got to get a chance to check out this book, the book has stories featuring Obama, Bin Laden, Pete Rose, Tony Romo, Jimmy Kimmel, John Hamm, <laughs> Scott Gagnon, a Raiders pickpocket. And in some cases, that's all in one story. <laughs> the adventures are endless and awesome. Yes. Yeah, I did want to ask you, you know, uh, as a fellow gambler, you know, I didn't notice that the book focused a lot on your bad beats and losses in your life. Um, you know, is there oh, yeah. is there a second volume coming called uh, I Win the End Suck It Haters Volume 2? Or is this was that all that was fit to print? <laughs> I doubt it. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, there are different types of bets you can make and i like parlaying money line favorites together and i did it all throughout the playoffs and you know it, it bites you in the ass because if it was as easy as betting a favorite every time to win everybody would do it on the other hand 
I hate it when, you know, I'm laying seven points with the favorite and the underdog is down 10 and um, some shithead backup quarterback scores a touchdown with two minutes left and I win by three, but don't win my bet. So I, I feel like teams go out there to win and that's why I bet money line parlays, but it doesn't pay off. But I don't know that it's added years or subtracted years to my life. But as far as a follow up where uh, everything turns around, I don't, I don't believe this is going to be Empire Strikes Back uh, by any means. <laughs> no, those are rings of wisdom around the tree is what it is, what it really is. <laughs> and uh, if it's all right, all right, I did want to kind of ask you, I wanted to ask you a bit of a philosophical gambling question. So, you yeah. know, if I could step into your dojo maybe for a second and if I can call you sensei and if you say no, I'll just edit it out later. So sensei, yeah, uh, please. yeah philosophically, <laughs> uh, I've always wondered about this in the past and for the young novice you know, gambler out there ready to, you know, collateral his first toy over for a bet. You know, what is harder for you to stomach? What has been harder for you on your wallet in your life? Betting on the teams that you hate, like the rivals, or betting on the teams that you love, the ones that are near and dear to your heart? What's been harder for you in your life? Well, you know, what's interesting about that is I try to not, you know, so I'm a big Dallas Cowboys fan. And I'm going to, I had a, I had a theory early on is like, look, I'm going to be mad if they lose anyway. So I might as well have money on it. How much madder am I going to be? And the answer is a lot, a lot, a lot angrier. You're a lot <laughs> angrier if you bet with your heart and then your team not only lets you down on the field, but uh, in the pocketbook as well. So I've stayed away from that. But what's happened over the years, and I'll, I'll use the NFL as an example, is I now have so many teams that have screwed me over the years that I hate them all. You know, if I had just stayed <laughs> with my Cowboys and, oh, my God, I'll just bet the Cowboys every week and it'll be fun. Um, then I wouldn't have hated the rest of the league. I look at the board every week and I'm like, nope, they screwed me a couple of weeks ago. Oh, they took me out three weeks ago. No, Stafford blows leads. I know Matt Ryan can't be trusted. All these guys. So it's becoming more and more difficult unless they add teams. Like maybe they'll add like three or four teams every year and I'll be in good shape. But um, philosophically, I think um, betting the teams I hate has uh, made it more difficult for me to enjoy football. You look at the list and it's just triggered, triggered triggered <laughs> triggered yeah it would be good though it would be good for your health if they added three or four expansion teams every single season to every single sport that would change everything exactly quick, uh your quick analysis did you hear the news today about mlb proposing to change the dh rule where after the starting pitcher comes out of the game the dh is no longer allowed to be in the game and then it goes to pitchers hitting that sounds like a live better's dream or nightmare i can't figure it out oh wow is that true so the starting pitcher is yanked and then you have Wait, to go to, then the relief, the relief pitchers then have to hit the DH is then taken out of the equation. If I hear that correct in terms of a proposal. So in mid game, gotcha. sixth or seventh inning, it all changes. The bench opens up and then the DH has to come off the books. If I heard that correctly and I'm just like, Whoa, get ready for the live betting action. Sixth, seventh inning. Yeah, no kidding. Well, good job by major league baseball complicating uh, the game <laughs> even further. <laughs> with the DH, okay, we are going to use the DH, but wait a minute, now we're going to switch it. Uh, this will incentivize managers to keep their pitchers in, I guess. So uh, yeah, let's uh, let's ruin some more arms just so we can have a, a, a capable batter uh, a step up to the plate. Yeah, they're taking a page out of like Survivor. They have to solve a puzzle at home plate now, like as fast as they can, right, like right. A, a free meal or some <laughs> shit. Um, I want to get back exactly. to the book for just a couple of seconds. Um, you know, you talked very glowingly about your experience with Rowdy Roddy Piper, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, oh, yeah. and sounded like a hero of yours. And not only did you get a chance to like work with him in the ring, but he would call you on the phone. All this is in the book. Is there anyone on your list? I mean, you it seems like you've met a lot of people in this life. 
Is there anyone on your must-meet list that has eluded you? Someone that you haven't snagged yet? Someone, an idol of yours that you haven't met? Um, not really. But really, the truth is, it's not out there. I mean, uh, I think the, the goal is to uh, aim low. Uh, with all respect to Roddy, like, you know, uh, there's a chance I was going to meet Roddy Piper 20 years after his prime, you know? Um, people out there are like, oh, I love Paul McCartney. I love, I love, well, we're probably not going to meet one of the Beatles, so um, don't aim so high. But no, uh, yeah, I, honestly, uh, Roddy's great. You, be careful what you wish for is, is probably the main takeaway from this because I also have a story in there about Emmett Smith, who is my favorite football player of all time. And, yes. And, but Tony Romo, Roddy Piper, uh, a lot of the Mets of the 80s I've met, and uh, it, it's all worked out great. But Roddy was a, a, a special friend of mine, too. He my cousin Jimmy brought him along. He put him on the man show, invited him to my 30th birthday party where he walks in with the kilt and kisses my head. And it was really like a clown showing up to a birthday party. And I was like dumbfounded. And it was the greatest and most terrifying moment of my life. And then, like you said, years later, he trained me. They started a storyline for me. And I wrestled uh, Santino Morella in front of 19,000 people at the Staples Center. Roddy trained me. And I got the pinfall. I retire and undefeated. Um, professional wrestler, and uh, it's all uh, due to Roddy. But and all kidding aside, he taught me like uh, a lot about being a father, and he was a great teddy bear of a guy, and uh, I miss him dearly. Yeah, what a deep, fulfilling experience that sounds like you had. My favorite part of that moment too is uh, your entrance music was "Working for a Living" by Huey Lewis, and uh, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit younger than you. You also mentioned in the book uh, that you had a Huey Lewis poster in your room growing up. I'm uh, 36. I, for some reason in college, I listened to punk metal ska music my whole life. And then in my 20s, I was like, hey, the songs that I love growing up, let's see what's out there. I became kind of a Huey Lewis super fan. Oh, I'm, great. I'm curious, man. I'm just curious. What's your relationship to Huey Lewis like growing up as a fan? Were you a huge fan as well? And I'm sure you probably interacted with him at some point. Do you have a great Huey Lewis story that you could bestow upon me? Because I, I love to do the pieces. He's an amazing musician and seems like a really cool guy. He is a lot of fun, and, you know, again, this is one of my heroes that I've met and become friendly with, and thanks to Jimmy, we had a mutual admiration for uh, Huey in the 80s and Power Love and, you know, Back to the Future. I loved all that, and um, we were big Huey fans, and we showed up at his concert in San Francisco uh, around 2000, and uh, we got backstage, and Jimmy, you know, Jimmy was popular from Ben Stein's Money and the Man Show, and and uh, had been on the Fox pregame show, and we went backstage, and he, he was like, what are you guys doing here? And we're like, we're big fans. He's like, no, you're not. What, what, what are you talking about? And he couldn't believe that we were fans of his, but we really are, and we've gone fishing um, at his lodge in his home in Montana. We've spent uh, a few weekends there, and he's just a, just a man's man, likes to fish and hunt and do all this stuff. And one thing I would say is, we would go, we always had that week off. Um, it was March Madness. And uh, we would go up to Montana and go fishing with him. And I remember trying to stream the Michigan State game. They were a two seed. It was a few years ago. They lost as a two seed. And it, had, it hadn't happened in years where a two seed lost. And as we're on the river, he's screaming at me. He's like, look around you. It's beautiful. And you're watching college basketball on your phone. What are you doing? He got so... <laughs> so angry at me but i uh but i uh, <laughs> pushed along that was my only compromise that i was going to be able to um load the game and he's a lot, a lot of fun and um yeah we co uh, became close to him over the years as well <laughs>
Yeah, Huey, the ambiance isn't going anywhere. I mean, this is the clock's right, ticking exactly. on this game. <laughs> yeah, we're going to turn around and we're going to see the same mountain and the same fishermen trying to catch the same fish on the way back. So we'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm just a huge fan. I went and saw him. I, I am from Chicago originally. I saw him at a Naperville Rib Fest. And uh, I went there yeah. and there's people 20 years my senior and there's nothing like sitting in a crowd with tri-tip sauce all over your face. And Huey comes out and he goes, it's my birthday. I can do whatever the fuck I want. And then does like a harmonica solo for 10 minutes. Just like the balls, the balls on him. By the way, that, that's another great extra wrinkle to this. I share a birthday, July 5th, with Huey Lewis. So um, oh, do you, we, we, oh, do you really? uh, we call each other. Yes, we at least have that day. He's, um, I think he's three years younger than me. No, he's older. He's older. But uh, I think he's 71. Does that sound right? Yeah. That sounds, won, uh, this year, I believe, so. Yeah, that sounds about right. Well, that's that's awesome. You, know, you, sh- said, you said you listen to uh, Sky and Punk, uh, also dear friends with uh, Dickie Barrett of the Mighty Mighty Boston. I saw that as well, who I'm also sure does your theme good. song. He does your theme song for Against All Odds. Am I, am I correct on that? That's correct. That's correct. No, 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 no. Yep, that's right. Uh, I saw him at some sweaty places uh, back in the day in Chicago, like the Riviera and the House of Blues. Got my BO game on yeah. with a bunch of other bros, skanked it out. It was a great <laughs> time in my life. I'm more, I'm more balanced Dickie now. Dickie and the Boston's request that they only perform in sweaty uh, venues with, uh, with bad BO. Yeah, it's, it's in their rider. Can we kick up the temp about 15 degrees, please? Uh, we're gonna, we can't skank. Can't skank in this temperature. Sal, we got you for just a couple more minutes here. Maybe hit you with just a little bit of a lightning round. Trying to break some news here on this pod. I got, obviously, there's a story out that Tyson and Holyfield are thinking about Tyson Holyfield 3. My question for you is, how's your pillow fight game right now? Are you thinking about making a return to the ring? <laughs> I did pillow fight, as you're alluding to, on Jimmy Kim Alive in the early years. It was uh, it was even more exhilarating than <laughs> wrestling match in front of 19,000 at the Staples Center but I would take on whichever tough guy would come on the show I would challenge him to a pillow fight and so there was um there was uh, uh Stone Cold Steve Austin the Undertaker Lennox Lewis who I ended up pillow fighting cake got all over the place and I had one move I had this down up move where I could really slice him in the midsection and make up for my uh, lack of height and then come quickly snap back up to the uh up of the head region and if I can get one of those in, um, I was happy to do so. But then Mike Tyson was on the show, and uh, all week I wanted to pillow fight him. He was um, he was co-hosting. We would have co-hosts there in the beginning uh, years. And Friday came, and he hadn't agreed to pillow fight, and he had like 100 handlers. And we finally got to one that said, okay, I'll go in there a few minutes before. So Jimmy and I go in there, his dressing room, a few minutes before showtime, and Jimmy says, uh Mike, my cousin Sal wants to pillow fight you. And Mike says, nah, 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 I can't do it. I'll kill him. And uh, Jimmy's like, no, 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 he's really good. We have tape of it. He's beating Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Undertaker. And Mike says, ah, I can't do it. I'll kill him. I will kill him. <laughs> he's like, no, I don't think you know what you're saying here, Mike. He's actually really good. He's got this down-up move, and I think he can give you a run for your money. He's like, I was like, no, no, Jimmy, I, I get it. He's saying even if I beat him, he would then in turn – kill me thank you mike uh for having some self-awareness here whatever therapy you uh went through it bodes me well so uh good job by you and uh yeah i think i saved my life uh there or mike saved my life so i was gonna say jimmy kimmel's kind of like uh jimmy kimmel's kind of like the mo sislak in this situation talking to dread eric tatum (laughs) and being like yeah go fight him he's let's do it let's do this he's the mo in every situation yeah he's got (laughs) yeah dodged the bullet there (laughs) 
Uh, I'm talking to you on a, on a Friday right now. We are going to be releasing this January 25th, the week of when your book comes out on January 26th. But this is the night before the divisional round in the NFL playoffs. I know you want to give out your picks on your pod and with FanDuel, all that good stuff. But, I mean, this is this is a little bit of Christmas Eve. This is a big weekend. Are you excited? I am. I was trying to figure out which is the better weekend. You know, last weekend we had the Super Wild Card, and there were three games on Saturday and three on Sunday instead of two and two like it used to be. But I'm, I'm anticipating this weekend we get to see Mahomes, we get to see Rodgers, we get to see the bye teams and their quarterbacks, and I think this will be just as entertaining. Uh, well, this is going to sound dated, and I'm sure I'm going to be wrong, but I look, just the Browns and the Rams could screw this up, right? Because if we yes. get every other combination in the Super Bowl, we're good. Brady, Breeze, Mahomes, Lamar, uh, Josh Allen, we're fine the rest of the way. So let's just hope that that plays out. And it has in the other sports. I know 2020, 2021 have been weird, but the Lightning were a favorite. The Dodgers were a favorite. The Lakers were a favorite. Uh, who am I missing? You know, Alabama was a favorite. We've gotten the best teams to the finals. So we'll just let that keep up for the next few weeks so we can enjoy the end of uh, the NFL season. Before we get you out of here, just your thought on the New York Mets, Francisco Lindor, new owner throwing money, the spigot of money is off. It's flying around all over the place. Uh, you excited for your Mets? Love it. I really am. It's cra- I mean, why, why should it be so hard for one of the stars to want to play in Flushing, New York, or New York? Not, not necessarily Flushing so much, but in New York. And Uncle Steve, going a new owner, has done that for us. He's like, whatever. He's, uh, you know, he's a big memorabilia collector, and he's got the biggest ticket item he can get. And it's the New York Mets, and Lindor is great. He's 27 years old. And uh, Dominic Smith was signed. Like we got a lot of nice key parts. They're uh, they're in negotiations as of Friday. This is going to sound dated, also but with the hand of a relief pitcher. So we're looking all right. We're going to compete. That's all you want, right? You just don't want as a baseball. Who are you? Are you a Cubs fan? You just want to be able to compete in June and July and and have a team alive at the end of August, right? Yeah, it's a long story on my side. I'm a bit of both. Like my family, I was raised a White Sox fan, but then I grew up in the Wrigleyville area kind of thing. So all my friends were Cubs fans, but I'm right there with you. I think about Uh it with the White Sox and the Mets where I'm seeing this now where the Cubs obviously are kind of like punting on this year and trying to reset their money. This is the opportunity for teams like the Mets, the White Sox, the Padres, those fringe teams, right, that can really go out and do something really special this season. I just think it's cool that, like, the middle-tier guys are, like, taking a real shot at it this year when some of the big boys are staying back. And I think it could be the year where, like, we could see a Mets-White Sox World Series. Like, the Todd Frazier, Jose Valentin, Robin Ventura swap-off, the third baseman swap-off among Mets and White Sox players. Oh, yeah. It's weird. We're always, like, trading them for some reason. (laughs) <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I, I'm in terms of the Cubs, I mean, we don't really have a rivalry with the Cubs, you know, Victor Diaz in 2004. I mean, other than that, uh, nothing else. So I, I was impressed by what the Mets are doing. Great pitching staff. You're going to love Francisco uh-huh. Lindor, Pete Alonzo on my fantasy team this year. Maybe next year he does a little bit better. And, you know, maybe yeah. you can take care of some business. It could be interesting. I think so. I mean, we're the team to watch in the NL East. And, uh, yeah, like I said, you just, it's such a long season. You just want meaningful games in August and, uh, God forbid, September. And uh, the uh, new owner, Steve Cohen, is definitely – I mean, he's asking fans what improvements we should make to the stadium. I would like to see the bullpen carts, uh, personally, with the Mr. Mets hat on it. He's, he's willing to have fun, and uh, he doesn't want to lose. I'm a, why the hell would you want to lose, right, if you have that much money? Um, I know he's uh, obeying the luxury tax. There was talk 
about getting like George Springer and um, he's like, well, that, that'd be great, but you know, we don't want to go over the uh, luxury tax, which is understandable. I mean, he's already done way more than we could have expected. But, uh, I was going to you know, say that that makes you pause a first time owner that understands the luxury tax. That doesn't make a lot of sense, yeah. right? You should be able to, what? That, well, who cares about that? Put it on my tab. Also just pay off Bobby Bonilla already. Right. So, so that every July 1st, that doesn't have to be the story. Can we just uh, hand them the 2018 or whatever he's left? On his uh, deal, <laughs> the biggest story of the year. Or at this point, come back and just work in the stadium. Just work it off if you're going to do it. At this point, yeah, right. it's been 15 <laughs> to 20 years. Yeah, he could drive. He could drive the bullpen car. I don't know if his uh, driver's license is up to date, but yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> My final thing for you, and, th- and uh, cousin Salad, thank you so much for joining Believe in Betting Chicago. My first thing is, I just got to shout it out to you, as as uh, as a fellow comedian. I love your comedic mind. You you're all about fun. You are all about. I mean, like just beyond just the pranks and stuff. I just love you know the wit. I love your your fast timing that you have with Bill Simmons. My favorite line in your book is a runner. It's a bit of a runner, but it's. Uh, I'm just gonna do a quick short paraphrase. It's. Punta Cana sounded like a swear word. Rosie Perez yelled out the 17th time Woody Harrelson loses all their money and white men can't jump. And that <laughs> had me absolutely rolling because it's probably true. It wasn't in the movie. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I, I dug deep for that one. Yeah, that's in regards to uh, Tony Romo convincing me and Jimmy got right. Punta Cana, that was the name of the tournament. He had that's the right. exemption in the golf tournament and he urged us. He's like, bet all your money on me. And uh, we did. Maybe Jimmy still has a few dollars left. I don't know. And we lost in the first round. And he's like, well, bet me again in the second round. I said, no, no, no. Here's what you're going to do. We're going to bet over your golf score in the second round. And you're going to go over and we're going to get our money back. He's like, no, no, no. I can't do it. I was like, son of a bitch. Please let us know. Anyway, Jimmy and I then uh, got him a, a trophy for last place. In that Punta Vesca tournament, whatever, Punta Cana tournament. Um, and, uh, yes, he, he has that proudly uh, on his mantle right now. Can't trust Romo when he's on the course. Maybe that's the maybe that's the moral of the story there. He's always going to shoot under. My final question for you, maybe some advice. Um, I love gambling on the Super Bowl. I love more gambling on Super Bowl prop bets. Your early initial thoughts on first song from the Performer Weekend right now. Uh, do you got any inside leads, or is that a stay away? Oh, interesting. Um I think weekend uh, weekend goes off the board and does um, Jailhouse Rock by uh, Elvis Presley. No, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I yeah. really wish I can come up with. I I don't know. Um, yeah, they, look, I love losing a lot of money before the Super Bowl even starts. You could do it on the coin toss or the anthem or all all kinds of things. And uh, I mean, that's the last hurrah, right? I go through stages of depression when football's over. When my Cowboys are eliminated when my fantasy team is eliminated, usually about the same week. Then when I can't make uh, two team teasers or three team teasers anymore in the uh, conference championship game, which we're up to. And, um, you know, and then when the Super Bowl's over, win or lose, I go into deep depression. So, yeah, you might as well uh, spend all your money on the Super Bowl and the various uh, prop bets out there. I'm asking, yeah, because I don't know a lot of the weekend either. It's going to be some sort of weird synth ballad that no one's going to get. I think it's going to be one of those off-the-board things that like just doesn't work out. And uh, if I might recommend, you know, uh, maybe from one degenerate to another degenerate gambler, the Chicago Bulls schedule in yeah. February gets awfully soft. Just saying. Gets oh, does it really? They play the Magic. They play the Hornets. There's a lot. They play the Knicks in there. I know the Knicks are doing okay right now, but you know what I'm saying? There's going to be some interesting lines, I feel like. 
for a team that gives up a ton of I points, but could be frisky. A, they're a value pick in the last couple of weeks. They've been a value pick too, haven't they? Am I wrong? I, no, I, I mean, they, yeah, they won three in a row. And then I think they, right. well, obviously they covered against the Clippers. They got pretty close with the Kings. I mean, I, they're, I don't think they're necessarily, you know, the dog shit team that they were of years past. They're still going to lose some games, but I think there's some sneaky action to be had there. Gotcha. You know, they should make that entrance uh, sign as you uh, drive into the, uh, well, when you used to be able to drive into the stadium. Uh, we're not the dog shit team of past. So there you go. I think that's good. That's a good, good rallying cry. Remember that dog shit? It's no longer dog shit. Come on in. <laughs> right. Exactly. Cousin Sal, the book is called Can't Lose Them All. It's available uh, online at bookstores. You can order that online and get that there. I'm sure it'll be available audible as well. January 26th. Cousin Sal, it was such a pleasure, man. I've been listening to you for a long time. You're such a you're such a funny comedic dude. Uh, really enjoy always listening to you, entertaining, and you're always doing something different, which is what I love about you. And you're always just stretching your mind in different comedic avenues. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for taking the time. Awesome. Thanks for having me. And you know what? I'm going to root for White Sox Mets just for you. Let's do it. <laughs> that sounds great. Right. This is Believe in Betting Chicago with Joey Christopoulos. Talking to Cousin Sal today. His book is called Can't Lose Them All. It'll be out January 26th. Thank you so much for listening to the pod today. We'll be coming back with a whole lot more stuff later in the week. But until then, be well, be safe, be good to each other. We will talk soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.